0: Caregivers, have you ever felt like nothing is going right? Well, cheer up and welcome to Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver Radio Program, where you'll learn how to avoid that
1: dreaded thing called caregiver burnout and how to survive the grieving process. Join Dave and his guests now as they share practice tips and tools that you can start using immediately to help get you through this day. Now, here's your caregiver
2: host, Dave Nassani. And from Los Angeles in New York City, a big LA welcome and a big Apple welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Lane. I'm Dave, the caregiver's caregiver at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co host, Adrian Gruberg, at thecaregiverspace.org. Coming to you live 24 7 on 17 global audio and video platforms, <laughs> including iHeartRadio, Radio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, Mixcloud, Listen Notes, Blueberry, PlayerFM, Podcast.com, VIP Internet Radio, Facebook Live, HealthyLife.net, and CaregiverDave.com. All in one breath. That's a record for me. <laughs> I was going to are- say.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I've been practicing. We are proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on PlayerFM, out of thousands, they say. And one of the top six best pos- best podcasts on caring.com. And another one that I'm going to have to write down because I can never remember the name of that uh, one. But we have an exciting show planned for you today, don't we, Adrian?
0: Yes, we do. Feed
2: yes, Spot. Feed Spot, yes. Uh, <laughs> number three on Feed Spot out of the top, uh, I don't know, a lot. Uh, Melissa Lyons Lyons is an international best-selling author and inspirational speaker. She's passionate about helping people shift into the life that they were meant to live, regardless of their current situation. Sounds important. By uncovering limiting beliefs and guilt patterns, she leads people to reveal and connect with their life purpose. Her heartwarming and profound books, I Will Always Love You, and until we meet again, or about hope and love, when faced with grief, loss, and heartache. But before we get started, I want to take this moment to thank my last week's guest, Carol Novello, is the founder of Mutual Rescue, a national initiative that highlights the connection between people and pets. And I was successful in connecting my friend uh, Clarissa Gero, whose life was saved. She's uh, anor- she was anorexic, and this kitten that was scratching at her door, actually saved her life when she was 79 years old. And they're going to make a film about her. Isn't that great, Adrian?
0: Oh, that's wonderful.
2: connected another person (laughs) to to Mutual Rescue. I couldn't think of the name there for a moment. Anyway, just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of those other 17 global networks that I mentioned earlier. All right, enough of that. Welcome to the show, Melissa. So excited to have you on.
1: Thanks. It's great to be here, Dave and Adrian.
2: Great. And are those, uh, those must be pictures from uh, your book behind you that I see, because I have your book and they look very familiar with oh, watercolors, <laughs> huh?
1: Well, these are actually pictures of my newest book that, we, that we're oh. not even talking about yet. But yeah, they are part of the same, it's all the same.
2: The same illustrator that you used?
1: No, each one is different, but you know all right. they're all connected. I guess, I guess spiritually somehow it's all it's all intertwined. Yeah,
2: and you're sitting in such a way that it looks like your aura. <laughs> <laughs> you must have yeah. planned that. Anyway, we like to take our uh, guests and ask them to. Uh, we ask a special question: Is who is Melissa Lyons and why was she put on this earth?
1: Well, the first 50 years of my life, I think I was put on this earth to figure out that question myself.
2: <laughs> did you say 50?
1: I did. Yeah. Oh, it you actually, look like it just a child. <laughs> but it actually happened at 50 years and six days where it was just the aha that I'd been searching for my whole life because I always felt like there was more that I was meant to do. And I just nothing, everything was going okay, but nothing was resonating like it was the thing. Um, and then I will always love you came into my life, and since then there's been this. Um, I, I know who I am now, and I know why I'm here.
2: Wow, I, I'm Kim. I'm I just can't get over uh, that you're 50. 50 must be the new <laughs> 30. Yeah, huh, there
1: Adrian?
2: you go. <laughs> and I'm 65, and and I guess that makes 65 the new 45. And Adrian is 73. Oh
0: please! Seventy
2: one. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: 70 things, and seventy one is the new fifty one. Fifty. Fifty. Sorry.
1: <laughs> I don't know. It. Is, yeah. What used to be old sure isn't anymore. Yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say that. Well, but no. <clears throat> yeah.
2: Well, I'm I'm looking on my computer for all my pages, and oh, there it is. All right, that's just technical jargon Just pay no attention to the man behind the the curtain Uh, (laughs) So you wrote this book Uh, Apparently you've written another one But this one is I Will Always Love You And it's such a beautiful, illustrated book And, I mean, it looks like a children's book But uh, I'm an adult and I like it So that makes me a child at heart, I guess Mm -hmm.
0: It resonated with me.
2: So, what was your your hope and your goal uh, in writing this book? Uh, you know, talk about what you hope to accomplish with this particular book, because it could just be another cutesy children's book. But I think you you want more for that, don't you?
1: Oh, I do. I want so much more. And you know, the thing mm. is, is that you're right. It's it's for people of all ages, and it does it does. Um, it's written for the inner child in all of us. You know, we lose our parents and, and we're still the child, and you go back to that. So, regardless of the age, and also even when you, you're older, a grandparent, even and you've got your grandchild and you're trying just to talk them through a really difficult time, this piece is, this book is there to give people permission to grieve however they need to grieve, but then to live again. It's taking that next step, it's not rushing it. And it's not saying what you need to do, but it is saying you do have permission, and, and you can shine your light in honor of the of the person who it is that you're, you're grieving or, or losing. And it doesn't have to be a person; it could be a situation, it could be a marriage, it could be um, it, it it could be Alzheimer's, like it could be any of those things where that person who you had is no longer with you in that same form, and you're needing to move on.
2: So the common theme on this is grief. And the grief process, and um, it's hard to find a caregiver who is not grieving in some form or another. Uh, If it's a spousal caregiver, they're grieving the loss of their spouse. Like uh, my wife lost her speech, became paralyzed on the right side. So uh, I still love her. We still get along, and we still do things together. But she's not the same woman that I married, and we can't do the same things that we used to do. So that part of me still grieves like like when we're in hawaii and we want to go down to the beach and she can't so uh, just when we think we're we're out of the grief process and we've reached acceptance something comes up and you say oh can't do that what a bummer so explain your interpretation of the grief process there's so many definitions so many interpretations of it you know um, uh, the five processes that Mary Keebler-Ross uh, talks about and, and so many others.
1: Yeah, there are, there's so many different approaches to it. And my, my thinking, and it's not just grief, this is about any deal derailment in your life. You know, we've got a path and, and part of our path and part of our purpose is to find joy and to live with joy and to share joy and to share light. And anything that takes us off of that path that's taking us down—frustration, sadness, um, sorrow. Any of those things. It just means we're off our path, and we've got to redirect our thoughts. Like, accept the situation, accept the reality, and find a different way to look at it. Because it—it mm-hmm. it is what it is. And so, it's a way of accepting the reality you've been faced with or dealt. Because you can't change that. You only can change how you're how you're filtering it, how you're processing it. And so, once you have that moment that that you, that you that you you're realizing, okay, I've got two ways to go here. Stay mm-hmm. off my path, or come back, and so find a way to come back. And I will always love you. Is that journey of of finding a way to look for that? Not the, so much the silver lining, but but the obvious lining that's going to bring you back to a state where you're going to be better for yourself and everyone else around you. Wow,
2: well, you know, um, I wanted to ask you about um, every time a teacher, I'm told. Well, I'm a teacher too, and it's true. <laughs> Every time a teacher teaches a student, it seems like I learn as much or if not more than the student themselves. And yeah. many teachers teach not only to, to help others, but they learn a lot because it forces them to do the research or whatever, or they have mm-hmm. those aha moments. So what, as a teacher, uh, through your book, what, what has... How has this book changed your life? And in what ways have you transformed since writing it?
1: The biggest transformation I would say for me is, is surrendering. Surrendering to that which you cannot control and accepting it as 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 your reality and making it work for you, making it work for everybody. And it's, it's more than making the most of the situation. It's actually making the situation... You, everything that it needs to be to move you to that next place but understanding you've got to work with what you've been given you can't change some of the things you can just change your response and your reaction to it and i think for me also um the importance of of um of acknowledging how important are what we do how, how many people how it ripples to everybody else mm-hmm. so to your point about being a teacher, our, our our emotional responses to everything is teaching somebody somewhere.
2: Right. How Even to those not who do are something. just uh, observers who are watching us.
0: Mm-hmm. Our kids. I have a, qu- I have yeah. a question. Yeah. I'd like to know, Melissa, what motivated you to write the book? What was I, What was the aha yeah. uh-huh moment that made you write it?
1: So I didn't set out to write that book or to be a writer. I sold a business, uh, my last business I sold um, seven or eight years ago. And after I sold it, there was like seemingly success all around and I still felt unfulfilled professionally. There was this hole, this dark cloud that had been chasing me my whole life and still continued to chase me. And so I started to journal and to, to start, like I pressed pause, I took time off of work, I read, I learned to meditate, I, I, did, I prayed, I did all these different things, but only to find out that the harder I tried, the farther away the sense of peace got, <laughs> like trying to squeeze a handful of water. So I learned to sit back and, and allow, and that's what happened. One day when I was journaling, this the words to this book came out, and it is a book about grief and loss, but I learned um, about 18 months after writing it that it was actually a letter from me to me, <laughs> uh-huh. me it was okay to move on and let go of what was and who I was and step into who I was meant to be and really embody um, something that I was afraid to embody. So, yeah, it's a pretty deep answer. So I think I, what led me to write it was the fact that I needed to learn how to let go of who I was and step into who I am and, and grieve the loss of the years I spent not being right. who I really was
2: but it's such a simple message you know just let go and accept things you can't change duh. but it is so hard and it but it's so powerful i mean a lot of people just wallow in grief for you know days weeks months years some people never get out of that wallowing right, in yeah. the grief you know it's the it's uh, it, there's just something comforting about embracing your pain <laughs> And, uh, you know, trying to share that pain with others because misery loves company And, uh, you know, just having coffee with the devil every day What, what is it about yeah. people that they don't want to get out of that comfortable place of pain and wallow in self-pity And, and you know, just accept and embrace what they can't change
1: well, I think sometimes they, they don't know what they don't know, and you said it. It's so much easier than we think, and we tend to overcomplicate it, and we tend to allow our mind to be crowded with all those things that are getting us down. And if we could just stop and think, honestly, the, the number, the, the number one thing I say to people who are ready to hear it and ask the question, I don't certainly say if someone doesn't want this, but if you were to, to if you were to reverse. You're thinking right now, and you're the person that someone else is grieving, be it your child or your spouse, how would you want them to be living? And would you want them to be behaving in a manner that you are? Would you want them to be missing their life? Would you want them to be not moving forward and not shining? And the truth is, is most of us would want more for everyone else.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And we need to turn it around and say, then what am I teaching? What am I showing? What am I shining? Am I shining darker light?
2: Yeah, and I give that advice all the time to caregivers. I say, you know, the way you're treating your loved one is that how you would want uh, to, you know, your children to uh, yeah. to treat you, you know, or vice versa. Right. And and it's just uh, you know just put the put the shoe on the other foot or put the glove on the other hand, and or the golden rule: do unto others the way you would want them to do unto you. And all of a sudden, your perspective changes. Um,
1: Yeah.
2: I'm I'm sure... Go ahead. You look like you you had a light bulb going. Well,
1: (laughs) your your perspective changes. It's just that simple. Just change your perspective. Even if it's not real, just try. See how it feels. And if it feels better, that's a message that it's right.
2: Yeah. And there's different exercises you could do to change your perspective. You know, if you always go to work the same path... Go a different way. Exactly. You know, if you always park in the closest spot at the supermarket, park at the farthest spot and just get used to being uncomfortable. And, you know, the old thing, cl- clasping your hands like this, try doing it the other way. It just sounds, it feels really weird, but half of the population do it that way, so it must not be that bad. But I'm sure a lot of people have written you telling you, you know, how your book has changed their lives. Why don't you share some of those stories
1: yeah, those, you know, those are the stories that have changed mm. my life. It changed their life, and then they, mm. in turn, changed my life, and it's pretty nice. Uh, one of the most special ones was a young a young girl who had lost her mom and she was 12, and she was given the book. And mm. um, the message came in from a stranger, actually, and after everybody had left the funeral home, she pulled the chair up to to the casket or the coffin and, and read the story to her mom.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Wow. Yeah yeah and I, and I, I love it because, like you said, it's so it's the simplicity of it, and if we can just look at that and the beauty and honestly, the end of the book, um, and it, I'm not sure if you want if we have time or do you like to read it, it yes, takes yes, about yes. two and a half reads. Can I read it? Okay, <laughs> yes. I would love to read it because then people can have the um, the understanding because the messages are are there for us all.
2: Probably it's time to read the whole book. (laughs) We do, it
1: won't take us long. Two minutes, want me to start? Go ahead. Okay, I will always love you. If you're reading this now and I'm far away, please pay attention, I've got something to say. It was my time to go and I can't explain why, but there was a reason, it was my turn to fly. Now I can see you from my new place of rest, You must understand you are still truly blessed. Realize that by letting me go, you'll give both of us freedom more than you know. Believe in angels and spirits or not, but consider this, I hear all of your thoughts. Your life lies ahead and it's all very great. I'm privileged now to see all of your fate. I have one last wish and it's part of the theme. It's you choosing to choose to follow your dream. My gifts to you include memories and love, and now you'll have more with my guidance above. I'll send you hints so you know I'm around. Pay closer attention to each sight and each sound. You might see butterflies or other clues that I leave. It could be a rainbow, you'll just have to believe. Focus on love and trust in good things. Listen to your intuition and see what life brings. Open your mind and changes you need. Embrace new directions. See where they lead. Welcome your challenges as they appear. Accept them as lessons. There's nothing to fear. They come with messages and purposes too. It's all part of your learning. They're gifts for you see them with gratitude and understand their role and then get back to focusing the thoughts you control trust your heart as you follow your dreams it has been directed by the highest of teams you hold the power and the answers inside turn into your heart let it be your guide you create your world with each thought that you think Your beliefs build your future as fast as you blink. The mind is a garden that grows flowers and weeds, and one who chooses good thoughts always succeeds. Trust me, I know advice is easy to give, but divine wisdom shows this is how you should live. Be the one who shares the light that was mine. Honor me now by letting yours shine. Trust that I'm free and home at last. Cherish each moment. Life goes by so fast. And remember, I will always love you.
2: Wow. (laughs) And I had the privilege and advantage of following along with you in my copy of the book. (laughs) Did you do that, Adrian? Did you have one?
0: I have one, yes, but I didn't have it in handy. And I didn't uh, want to go to my bookshelf.
2: <laughs> well, with that, I think that requires a moment of meditation, and we'll take a break while you're all doing that. So we'll be right back. Don't go away. And we're back with Melissa Lyons and Adrian Gruberg, and I'm Dave Nassani from The Caregiver Dave Show. just wanted to read your, your inside cover. The intention of this book is to bring peace and comfort to those of us who have lost someone we dearly love. Whether it's hope or a sense of knowing, the thought that our loved ones are somewhere happy, free, and possibly around us can bring a sense of joy that lifts us into a higher place that feels good. Now, I notice that the children's faces, they don't have any, so that just feels special. What was your reasoning for no faces?
1: I'm so glad that you brought that up and you noticed it. Well, <laughs> I want everyone to be able any child of any color, race, gender, whatever wherever they're coming from to be able to pop themselves into those people, those children.
2: Yeah, I think it works.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's skin color too, right? It's a it's a nondescript skin color as well as oh, yeah. no faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Intentional, and it's a brother and sister Together on their journey, like all of us
2: Now, your second book, Until We Meet Again Has a similar intent and impact as I Will Always Love You However, it deals with the loss of pets Which can be more, well, as tragic as the loss of a human Because after all, you know, our pets love us unconditionally (laughs) And I haven't met a person yet who's able to do that so it, it just makes sense that we would grieve maybe even more at the loss of a pet because they meant so much to us. I mean, I when my wife's first dog got hit by a car, I mean, she grieved. We all grieved, but she especially for three months. And now she has another dog. She didn't want another dog because, you know, we want to protect our hearts. But our daughter... Bought this dog for the kids and stuff And somehow she took ownership of it again <laughs> And their relationship oh. is just as strong, if not more yeah. And he follows her around wherever she goes He's he's the perfect caregiver dog um, Let's talk about the story behind the story
1: Yeah, the story behind the story is that When I Will Always Love yeah. You um, When people started to talk about it Of course, we had all the beautiful stories about how it impacted their lives, but so often it turns into, and I once lost a dog or and I once lost a cat. And it seems that Mm -hmm. we don't seem to celebrate their lives like, well, it doesn't seem, we don't celebrate their lives in death, the same way we do with humans. And so there's a lot of um, unhealed wounds, a lot of things that didn't get closure, and people really want to talk about that. So the purpose of having that book is to, just to remind people about that unconditional love and what our pet would want for us the same thing like you mm-hmm. were saying turn it around change your perspective do you think they really want you sad for three months? They never wanted you sad when they were alive they don't want you sad now
2: yeah and I always mention how you know pets don't talk obviously unless you have a talking horse or something but
1: uh... <laughs> you don't have a talking horse
2: <laughs> no <laughs> he died. <clears throat> <laughs> and, and my wife obviously can't talk And and to watch those two communicate it's, it's so funny, it's so amazing It's so inspiring Because they just speak non-verbally to each other And yet I know exactly what my dog is thinking most of the time He makes it known with his actions And his sounds and his tonality And his and his behavior, and so does my wife. And um, so, for those who who um, who put a, a value on, you know, speaking, ninety uh, percent of communication, eighty ninety percent of communication is nonverbal. And so, uh, to have that close of a bond with a, uh, an animal or even a person. They cannot speak. A lot of people say, "Well, how, how do you talk? You know, how do you how do you do it?" I mean, boy, I couldn't do it, you know. <laughs> but uh, I should just say, "Do you have a dog?" <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Well, there, You go. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very true, very true. And uh, you know the thing that about the animals too that they that they teach us is um, the importance of the self-worth, which is, the, is that missing link of shipping, shifting perspectives and allowing ourselves to to come back after grief or after a loss, is to value that we're worth it, we're, we're worth being good to ourselves. Yeah. One of my favorite pages in that book is, um, is, is Is the animal saying to the person, allow your mind time to unwind and be free. Be as kind to yourself as you were to me. Because... Mm. We treat our animals better than we treat ourselves a lot of times
2: Yeah, you know, I was talking about the uh, the person Who's going to have a film made about her You know, with um, the uh, last week's guest And you can imagine when you have a loved one That, you know, is in and out of rehab And, you know, drugs and now eating disorder and all of this After a while, you know, you burn all your bridges Nobody wants to even associate or communicate with them anymore Because it's They've they've just made it so uncomfortable to be around And yet a little cat scratching at the door Got through to this girl Where no human was able to Not the strangers, not the friends, not the family And so that, that little pet has got a lot of power Because like I said, it's unconditional love uh, now she has a reason to wake up in the morning because you know the cat meows until you feed her and <laughs> and you know if you go away, you gotta come back because you gotta feed the cat or let her out or let her in or whatever. So yeah, it's very, very powerful. and when they go, it's even more uh, devastating, I think. So what's yes. what do you go where do you go from now? Where do you go from here?
1: Well, um, a few different places. I, I, I'm, I've learned from both of the books that a lot of us, um, me especially, overcomplicated things for so long. So my goal is to just <laughs> help simplify it for people. Yeah, yeah so I'm working on um, one project called Simple Subtle Shifts, where you spend 10 minutes a day, five minutes listening to a reflective affirmation, the same one mm-hmm. for 10 days, and each day you answer one question. Um, that will take you closer to, to getting through something that's that's evading you in some, avoiding you, evading you in some way, like um, whether it be self-love or I am enough or mm. fitness. Um, yeah, so that's one of the projects.
2: Where does your inspiration come from? It all comes out of your head?
1: Yeah, I think it comes from my life experience. You know, sometimes you wonder, like, you know, if, if you look back and you're like, life wasn't, you see some people's lives, and it seemingly looks kind of easy, and you're like, oh, mine wasn't quite like that. It's like, oh, I guess that was the reason why, so that I would have something to figure out. <laughs> 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 so I just have to go back to, like, if I took every year of my life with something that I couldn't figure out. Um, yeah, and, I, I, you know, there's a lot of that divine um, knowledge that comes through us when we stop and listen, right? It's well, there. You're,
2: you're adorable. <laughs> Do you have a husband? <laughs>
1: I do, I do I... Dad, I've been married 29 years this year Wow,
2: so yeah. he appreciates you, obviously <laughs> Yeah, yeah,
1: he's yeah. A lucky it's guy. good It's good Well, you know, he's really supportive When you do things like this, you need that support Of people watching you go through your journey Because some days are You don't have a clear path all the time, right? Yeah Yeah, and I've got two adult daughters Who are very supportive as well So that's really ah, nice. Yeah yeah. So,
2: so our our audience is to caregivers So I'm assuming that at one point in time You were a caregiver to somebody
1: Yeah, uh, we had my grandmother um, who, who lived with my mom And mm. she, I actually, when I first got married We had an apartment And um, I was newly pregnant And we were all set up to live with my parents And then all <laughs> of a sudden my grandmother wasn't well So we moved out and she moved in <laughs> And we oh, all, well, that we worked all out. It did, it did
2: but yeah, that was... what a
0: thing yeah. Yeah, that, that sounds like she... That sounds like my life <laughs> Is that <laughs> really? Someone in, yeah. someone out yeah. I, I, I got engaged Moved back from Boston To uh, live at home Before I got married And then my grandfather died And my grandmother moved into my room So well. that, you know, It's the same yeah. and, Displacement and
1: yeah, and it's like it's supposed to happen that way because it didn't. It could, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah.
2: Is your grandmother still alive?
1: She's not. She's not. Uh-huh. Um, I do credit my inspiration, especially in "I Will Always Love You." I really think she was talking to me. Uh-huh. I don't know if that's true or not true, but I, I'm going to believe it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you can. Was that
0: right? was yeah. that close to unconditional love from your grandmother? <clears throat> Yeah, you know what? I think so, and
1: and you know, it's funny how our it's memories are It's easier for go. grandparents. I, yeah, it is, right? It's so true, and I think that um, they don't
2: have to live with you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's true, and you only keep the good memories. You lose the bad ones. I don't remember ever not being perfect. <laughs> she always yeah. was. and yeah.
2: it, and if you're if your children are jealous of your relationship with their children, then you're doing the right thing. I think.
1: <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and mine is so I must be doing the right yeah. thing. <laughs> well, you yeah. never did that with me. I said, well, <laughs> I,
1: have, I have a question for you. May I? You may. I I think that it's it's great. Like you are simplifying, you are giving people the option to change perspe- perspectives and perceptions. And is it working? Are you seeing people and hearing from people that they're they're really like taking a new walk and making a new path?
2: Well, not as many as I would like. Uh, Most caregivers, first of all, I'd say 30%, I don't think I can help. I don't think they'll ever change. I don't think they'll ever stop their destructive uh, ways. And that must be why 30% of them statistically will die before their loved one do, because they don't take care of themselves. They don't value their life uh, more than or at least as equal to their loved one. I don't know what issues are going on in their heads. Maybe Adrian knows more about <laughs> what makes a caregiver be so self-destructive uh, as they are. What do you think, Adrian?
0: Oh, there are so many reasons, you know. The, the time, the time issue, the feeling that I'm the only one that can do it because the person that they're caring for.
2: Um, yeah, they wallow a lot in is, that self-pity. Is,
0: the, yeah, the person that they're caring for Very often will inflict guilt That you can't go anywhere, you can't do anything You have to be here with me And some caregivers buy into that very easily It's it's almost easier to buy into it than to fight it
2: Yeah, and you brought up self-worth yeah. um, They don't they don't think much of themselves, but now all of a sudden another person needs them, and this is all subconscious. I'm sure they don't realize this, but that makes them feel really good.
0: Worthy? That, oh
2: my God! All of a sudden I'm needed. Another person in yes. this world cannot do anything without me, and it's a double-edged sword, of course, because you're you're almost a, a prison in caregiver prison prisoner in caregiver prison. And yet uh, it's not going on a, on a conscious level because that's what caregivers need to do. They need to take all the things that are going on unconsciously and and make them conscious so they can see, oh, I see what's going on here. Yes, that's oh. – and then they can separate things and categorize and compartmentalize things, and then they can uh, start taking care of themselves. Oh. Me taking care of myself first, or going out and getting my nails done, or going and getting a massage, or going for a weekend off, doesn't diminish my love for the, my loved one. You know, they can separate those two. One has nothing to do with the other, and therefore, the guilt doesn't have to be there.
0: No, the, for me, the, the interesting thing is even when the person that's being cared for is abusive, and that happens very frequently. Um, there, there's that resistance not to care. Um, mm-hmm. I got to do it, you know, regardless of what they say, what they do, what she says, what she does. You know, uh, yeah. there is a lot of abuse, and, and then they I complain about it, about and it feels a lot. And then they complain about it, yeah, and it
2: feels good to complain.
0: Yes. And Actually, they're, they're venting It
2: should feel good to vent But they're doing it in an inappropriate way in, Right yeah. mm-hmm. If they would just join yeah. support groups And realize they're not alone And <laughs> other people are going through the same thing They can share stories They can vent in a in a healthy way and In a healthy environment But thank God for the ones that do get it I think I mean, I, I can't put a number or percentage on it But if If um, uh, let's look at statistics, 30% of them die, um, as much as, it's a fuzzy number, but as much as 60% will not die, they'll hang in there, <laughs> but they will become sicker than the ones they care for, perhaps hospitalized, and will eventually need a caregiver of their own. So that kind of only leaves 10%, and that's a pretty sad statistic that everything that we're doing is really only helping 10% of the people. I hope the number's higher, but it's impossible to figure out how many people were were uh, helping. But we get those cards and letters coming in just like you do, yep. and that's what keeps us going. I mean, think about the golfer. All he needs is one hole-in-one yeah. every five <laughs> years to keep him going back to that thing and, and cursing, you know, when he throws it into the rough or whatever. So it doesn't take much. I mean, I used to say that um, uh, I can operate on crumbs but my wife, when she was in her grief, wasn't even giving me the crumbs. So <laughs> I was in a serious place because I don't require yeah. much. Just just give me some crumbs to lick. <laughs> <But> if, <laughs> if you're not even oh. getting the crumbs, you know, then then that's bad. But I get I get full course gourmet meals now. I don't have to last on crumbs. So grief was really bad for her. Anger was her favorite emotion.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: and people's- it's a flavor.
1: <laughs> well, like you said, Adrian, you said it earlier. It's easier. It's easier to take on the role. That's it's harder on the outside. You know what it is? It's like it's it's a lot easier to, to paint your house and get new floors and new countertops than it is to actually do some work on the inside of your uh, heart. Right. Mm. <laughs> exactly. So you know, Clean your get your office. hair done, or yeah, or get your get your get some new clothes. It's like, no, what about what about just sitting down and writing how you feel and why you're so angry about A, B, or C? How about you just come and say,
0: oh, I don't have time You do, people, it's more important pe- than your grass Yeah, people mm-hmm. try and fill themselves up With, you know, sh- compulsive shopping um, Compulsive eating uh, th- The various things that, that y- you need to take in To fill yourself up, and it doesn't work You can't fill yeah. yourself up unless you work on your heart Yep. Yeah, it's true it's
2: true. We're going to take another break. And they
0: break. say, "I'm sorry."
2: No, go I ahead. Have one more your thought.
0: And and they say, you know, as you get rid of things, you make room for more things to come into your life. Mm-hmm. So
2: downsizing is good. very important. It. Getting rid of yeah. stuff. And and people mm-hmm. people who just maybe they're not hoarders, but they're <laughs> they're going in that direction. Uh, and my wife finally is letting go of things because you know every time we moved there was so much stuff and it all went in the attic and we never saw it and <laughs> she's she's going through stuff now so I think that's an, uh, an improvement.
0: That's great.
2: Because we all need to downsize. We all need to let go of things. Yeah. But anyway, downsize. we'll be right back. Don't go away. Dave Nisani, the caregiver's caregiver, has just released his sixth book entitled It's My Life Too. Reclaim your caregiver sanity by learning when to say yes and when to say no. It was specifically written for caregivers who know they should be putting their needs first, but just don't know how. Dave is the sole caregiver to his wife, Charlene, since 1996. He knows firsthand what caregivers are going through because he is one. And he now speaks all across the country, offering caregivers his incredible caregiver support package. Even the airlines tell us that in the event of an emergency, to put your oxygen mask on first before you help your child with their mask. They know that those who don't heed their advice often black out, thus becoming unable to help either themselves or their child. And caregivers are exactly the same way. It's my life too. Reclaim your caregiver sanity by learning when to say yes and when to say no will help caregivers who are neglecting their sleep, diet and social life and learn to put their needs first. Pick up your copy today or buy one for your special caregiver, on sale everywhere, and at caregiverscaregiver.com. And we're back with Melissa Lyons and my co-host, Adrian Gruberg, and I'm Dave Insani on the Caregiver Dave Show. And let's talk about being stuck. (laughs) Has anybody ever been stuck before? Never.
1: (laughs) Yeah. What kind of stuck are you talking about specifically?
2: Well, how many different stucks are there? <laughs>
1: yeah, I think stuck is when you um, you take the easy way out because everything just seems too hard, and you just take take what Adrian Adrian just said it a, a few minutes ago. I think that when it's easier to be that person who has to carry everything on their shoulders, it's a lot easier putting everybody else's problems, everybody else's needs on top of your own. Even in your oxygen mask example. Um, and actually saying I matter, I'm worth it, and, and and you're stuck, you can't you can't get out of it.
2: Yeah, that kind of makes you the hero or the martyr or right. the the one who is you know the superhero with your red cape. And really, that'd be okay if you were doing okay. But these people are not doing okay; they're doing terrible. <laughs>
1: Uh, and and those heroes, those heroes uh, wear disguises, don't they? <laughs> mm, <laughs> they all have something covering yeah. them up. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, there's a hidden, there's a hidden message message there. So so yeah, so I think that um, being stuck is that thing where you need something simple to help you get out of something small, not something that's going to be so um, so rash that you that you just do it for a few days and you can't come back. Small things, yeah. changing how you look at things. Um, it's funny, we've talked about all of the things even today uh, that we need to do. One of the things, um, when I first wrote I Will Always Love You, one of my first bulk sales, this is going to relate to this being stuck thing, um, somebody bought over 20 books and mm-hmm. they purchased them and they were healthy people, I, I would say in their 60s. And they bought them for their children and grandchildren And mm-hmm. they signed a special note in all of them and they put them away with their will um, And so they might not see those books For another 10, 20, 30 years Those people who are receiving them um, and, and I think that it, It's an important seems
0: thing It seems like a I waste no. It seems like a waste I oh, don't if, think so It's a wonderful gesture no, yeah.
2: it's, it's great but you know, Really? Do they have to wait that long? They could be blessed right now
1: they could be, you're, you're right. But the, the thing that I think that sometimes we get stuck because we don't have permission. We don't have permission from either ourselves or the perceived person that we think is holding us in that in that life, whether it be an abusive person that is being cared for. Um, so, so yeah, so, so I guess, I guess the, the opposite of stuck is permission to change, permission to grow, permission to live, permission to do something to feel better.
0: And I think that people have to look and realize that you can take small steps. Just don't look at the the changes as a as a huge project. Just think about all the little things that you can do to get yourself on your way. And. See that you can realize your goal if you do it that way.
2: Yeah, I think for caregivers, I know I felt stuck because I was I felt trapped and stuck at my house and I needed to get away, but I couldn't get away and I felt guilty of for even thinking that mm-hmm. I need to get away. And so yeah, and people get stuck in their jobs, you know, dead end jobs. Uh Climbing the ladder of success uh, with a company, and you get to the top, and you realize you were was leaning against the wrong building. You know now you're in a midlife crisis, starting all over again. Nobody wants to hire some old guy. It's it's tough. A lot of stucks out there. <laughs> a
1: lot of stucks out there. Yeah, yeah. So the so the thing when you're stuck is that you have to just take the small small actions to feel a little bit better. And as long as you're feeling a little bit better. You're getting closer towards something that's better And if you're feeling a bit worse You're getting closer to being more stuck
0: <laughs> Yeah,
2: and if you have a hobby you or know? interest You know, start a business uh, You don't have to quit your job just yet But maybe that hobby and business When you start making as much money as your job Then let go of the job, you know But uh, maybe it won't work But maybe it will work You won't know unless yeah. you try it No yeah. greater pain than the pain of regret
0: Mm. I That's think uh, the right the act of writing for a caregiver is is uh the opportunity to take the steps to realize what you can do for yourself. you may seem you may feel like you're totally stuck, and all of a sudden realize, well, I'm really not totally stuck. <laughs> I have some options yeah you know, there there are things mm-hmm. that I can do, so. Yeah.
2: That's How when you come to the it? different perspective, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know what
1: else I think happens? It's like think about back to the early days when, like, we were dating and, and getting to know somebody, and and, and you know you, you you go on small dates, and then you go on like some bigger ones, and you spend a bit more time. <laughs> you, you get to know that person, and and you know, you, and then you go your own separate ways, and you meet up with them twenty five or thirty years later. They're not that same person, right? They've changed. Uh, but what we forget is that we're not that same person either and we spend so much time working on everything again outside of ourselves caring for other people following our careers that all of a sudden we're sitting there and we have this life in front of us and it's like we keep making decisions but we're not even making decisions for the person we've become because we haven't taken time to figure out who that was <laughs>
0: right. or is
2: like it
1: really happens i ask people all the time like are you living your dream and they're like oh not really i'm like oh okay well What's what's in your way? Okay, here's all the money. Here's everything you want. Now, what do you want to do with it? Well, I don't really know what I want to do. Hmm. We we walk like zombies, not really knowing where our passion and purposes are. And it's not our fault. No one's telling us to do it, so we're not.
2: Well, you're fifty. Uh, you must have gone to at least four different high school reunions, right?
1: I haven't gone to one, (laughs) (laughs) but anyway, I like to. And why is that? I I see friends. I moved far away, but anyway, no, but I see friends. So yeah, like I I see the people when I when I go home sometimes. But yeah, anyway, what were you going (laughs) to say?
2: Just that you know, I've been to all of mine
1: because I haven't moved
2: far away. Okay. Uh, So I'm sixty-five. I've been to uh, twenty-eight. I've been to four. One's should be coming up pretty soon, but um, a lot of these people uh, are they living their dream? No, many of them who were the big shots, you know, the football players, the uh, the jocks, they're just kind of you know living a very simple life, and maybe they're not married because for whatever reason. So if they're if a person is generally not married It generally means There are exceptions That, you know, they're kind of unhappy They're kind of lonely They've been looking They can't find that right person And when you're uh, When a man is single anyway You know, he He, he kind of lives a different lifestyle He doesn't eat well He eats TV <laughs> foods <laughs> And, you know, he might spend time at the bar And, and you know, the whole lifestyle just changes And, um Yet there are other people, the geeks and the people who you never would expect to do the people that were bullied, the people everyone made fun of. You know, they're working for Microsoft making millions of dollars or whatever. <laughs> Not always. But it's so ironic that yes. that um, I spent so much energy in in school, uh, emotional energy, just worrying about what people thought of me and the peer pressure and and at one time saying, you know, the, I wonder with suicide, if that would be better than, than the pain that I go through every day, you know. And so many people have made movies about the pain of junior high and high school and the bullying sure. that goes on there. And yet, uh, you know, permanent solution to a temporary problem. It'd be nice if the word got out that uh, that high school is not life, <laughs> you know, just hang in there. <laughs> Yes, a lot of
0: a lot of yeah. adult
2: problems are still deep rooted in us from high school mm-hmm. or grade school, and uh, when you become a caregiver, it seems like all that stuff comes to the surface because now, you know, you're you're in a situation where you have totally no control. And by the way, we're never in a situation where we have no control. We always have control over something. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. of the guy. Who, who was a dancer and he loved to dance But he had to sweep out uh, this warehouse Well, he started dancing with the broom, you know uh, Doing a little Fred Astaire thing There you go uh, With a coat rack And uh, so there's lots of ways It's all about perspective, like you said so Let's let's talk about anchors You know, I'm a sailor and I know anchors And <laughs> anchors are designed to keep my boat From drifting away Because we can drift miles down the shore if we stop the boat and we don't even feel like we're drifting. And so in my case, anchor is a good thing. But when I was a caregiver, I felt like there was an anchor around my neck and I wanted to be free. I wanted that boat to, to travel and that boat was stuck and that anchor wasn't coming out of the ground. So what's your story about anchors, good or bad?
1: Both. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like you said. It depends how you look. If, you, if you've got an anchor that keeps you stationary, then you find you find how to dance. Find a way to dance with your broom. Um, and, and if you can lift your anchor and you can see the world, then you do it too. I think that, and I think at different times in your life, we get all those different opportunities. Like they come and go, like you said. Um, but the worst thing that we can have is to, to be anchored into the past. To, to use your high school example. Right. Because we become someone so different every year, minute, decade—it doesn't matter—but we we don't grow with ourselves, and that that's that's such a such a, a missed opportunity to realize who we've become.
2: Yeah, and we need uh,
1: someone else to tell us who we are, but because we're <laughs> too, we're too afraid to actually see it for ourselves, and often we're better than we were.
2: And maybe it's my imagination, but I don't think so. Um, <laughs> what do you think? So I have don't discovered – no, no, I'm – new topic. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I should have said that first. Um, it seems like mothers and daughters have the most problems um, caregiving to each other, and I don't know why. There's just a lot of daughters, including my wife, they just had problems relating to their mother. Now, every now and then, you get a mother and daughter who are best friends, and they get along, and they – they go shopping together and there's no problems, but I think that's the minority. Is it is it me or is most of mother and daughter relationships kinda weird? Both of mm. you.
1: Both of us think, I think well I'll 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 chime, I'll chime in really you. fast at first. I think you yeah, I, I don't see it that way. Um my mom I mean my mom is a caregiver for my grandmother in the primary sense. It was But you got, very you got along special. with your mother? Yeah. Well, my mom's still alive. Yeah. Um, but when she was the caregiver for her mom, it was it was pretty beautiful. Um, okay. I don't okay. Know, so you're know. one of
2: those rare or, people.
1: <laughs> well, or, or they they are. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'd like to hear Adrian what you think. Well, you're part of it. Usually, <laughs> usually,
2: if a if a mother and her mother get along, then generally, I think you know you've got this genetic thing about. Uh, Everybody's just uh, one big happy family I think that you're more likely To get along with your mother If she got along with her mother Um, And, you know, maybe you're all just It has to do with the temperaments, you know If you have similar temperaments Similar things in common You know, a parent will always have a favorite child And people will always tell you Parents will always say, I know People will always say Well, my daughter's more like him And my son is more like me So obviously You know, I'm. I feel more of a connection with my son. We can talk about certain things and laugh about certain things. We can we can go to a a opera and uh, you know enjoy ourselves. And, and those two, they don't want to do that. They want to go to a ball game or whatever.
0: I yeah. Okay, go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, Crickets. I, Let me get a cricket. I think. I think. David Dave knows that my mother and I had a very, very bad relationship um but I promised my father when I promised my father in order to give him peace so that he would feel at ease enough to die that don't worry, I'll be there for her. I'll take care of her. And the only way that I could do that was to treat her like she was crazy because she (laughs) was such a narcissist that I just, instead of fighting with her, I just learned to let go and agree with her and tell her, you're right, mom. You know, but there were times when I gave her ultimatums because I had grown up and There were things that, you know, I knew that there was power that I had in this relationship, Mm. but I didn't want to strip her of her dignity, so.
2: Because you're a nice person.
0: She was right.
2: But (laughs) here we have two opposite ends of the spectrum, you know. Right. Both of you. And so I would, I don't know if there's any data on the subject, but I I would love to do a national poll on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rank your relationship with your mother? um i don't know what those scores would be you know but whatever it is it it affects caregiving and that's who our audience is caregiving yeah and and you talk about grief in your book and when when that parent dies you know if the relationship was really bad you would think oh there's relief that she's gone but a lot of times there's not relief there's guilt that oh my gosh i should have done more when she was alive i and then you start feeling guilty about all the thoughts, all the things you've said, all the things you've thought about while she was still alive. Uh, uh, you know, I should have visited more her, more in the uh, convalescent hospital, or whatever it is.
0: Not so. me. <laughs> <laughs> I sang. I sang "Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead." <laughs> I'm serious. Oh, <laughs> I mean, right. I I knew that I had done my very best. And that's all that I could do Was my my very best And I, I thought that she was damned lucky That I had evolved enough to be able to do that
2: Okay, so now that you both know that, uh, Adrian, That there are parents, <laughs> mother and daughters Who actually love each other And, yes. and love each other And uh, Melissa, that there are uh, mothers and daughters Who don't um, <clears throat> For whatever yes. reason you know, uh, you're very fortunate Be blessed that you have yeah. a wonderful mother And that she had a wonderful mother And that's a great legacy that she's passed on You have daughters uh, at all?
1: Yeah, I have two daughters So, well, yeah you And,
2: and now you it can it look, look forward <laughs> to the great relationship That you and your daughter are going to have As you yeah. become elderly and need care And possibly, uh, you know Let's say your husband dies first And now it's just you uh, uh, living in one of your children's homes, and and everyone just gets along great. What a great legacy! But unfortunately, yeah. it's not so for everybody. Unfortunately,
1: that's for sure. But you know, we talk about it a lot already now because my okay. my grandmother nursed my grandfather till he died, or till she couldn't mm-hmm. feed him anymore, and then my mother mm-hmm. did that with her mom. Um, but we don't have mm-hmm. the same plans with my parents because we've talked about it, and my children won't have the same plans with us because we've talked right. about it. We all have a hard part where it's like, okay, now the next move is coming and we know now. So yeah. that that's because I think one of the things that's really important once you get past the guilt, well, what's the thing that stops us from getting past guilt? Forgiveness. But to forgive ourselves for all those things that you said, didn't visit enough, yeah. didn't this, didn't that. So once you decide that you can forgive yourself or accept yourself as doing the best you can, right? Here's the freedom. And what do we all want? We want freedom, right? Freedom to, freedom yeah. to. To be okay,
2: and I'm not sure what my motive uh, for doing this uh, has. But but ever since my my um, kids were little, I would tell them, you know, one day I'm going to be old and gray, and someone has to change my diaper. And you know, <laughs> as I'm doing this nice thing for them now, you just remember all the nice things <laughs> I did for you, because my diaper is going to need changing one day. You know, when they're like <laughs> three and four, they go, ooh, you know. But I kept saying it when they were twelve and thirteen. And I kept saying it when they were 20, and I keep saying it when they're 40 <laughs> and 50 now. <laughs> and uh, maybe, if nothing else, guilt will get them to do it. But they're just not going to leave me around in a messy diaper. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've covered all the bases here. <laughs> well, listen, how does someone get a hold of you if they want to learn more about what you're doing, or maybe buy a book, or just want to chat?
1: Well, it would be wonderful. I'd love to hear from anybody who wants to talk about any of the things we talked about today. Mm-hmm. My website is melissa lionscom so M-E-L-I-S-S-A hyphen or dash L-Y-O-N-S dot com, or Melissa Lyons author on Facebook, and um, email melissa at melissa com. Yeah, okay. it's been really great. Um, I was, really enjoyed could- this.
0: Oh, was what wonderful. was your email again? You said that very
1: fast. I did, okay, thank you for slowing me down. So it's <laughs> Melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A, at Melissa, hyphen, or a dash, lions, L-Y-O-N-S.com. Okay.
2: And you thank need the you. dash, otherwise you'll find some other Melissa Lions. You'll find right? it, exactly.
1: yeah, it's someone who can sing and dance, not like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I'd like to mention the, t- the title of my new book that's going to be out, yeah. Probably early next year. It's called, it, it could change, but it's called Dance at My Funeral. Please keep oh, shining, my love.
2: I love that.
1: And it's going to be about permission and about telling yeah.
2: people. Yeah. I've already told all my people, you know, the funeral is going to be a party and and there'll be no mourning and no crying and, no. and right. uh, you know, give as many details of what you want at your funeral to your kids right now. So yeah. that uh, they don't fight amongst themselves You know, when my father died I did it the way I thought I should And and his sisters were very upset with me He wouldn't want this he, Yes, he did, we had a conversation And they're like, you're lying <laughs> so my having the
0: conversation, Put it in
2: writing <laughs>
0: Having the conversation is very important And now our generation is doing it
2: Yep, yes. they call it advanced directives yeah. And wills and so on well, we appreciate both of you for coming on the show, especially you, uh, Melissa. And we're so glad we met you in New York at the National Publicity Summit. Yeah. Did mm-hmm. you get many uh, takers on your pitch when you were there? I did. I
1: did, yeah. That's and I'm great. still working through them. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, and again, a reminder that all of our live shows become recorded pod and videocast on our membership website uh, on all those sites and also on caregiverdave.com and uh, by the way we have three free gifts for anybody at caregiverdave.com check it out no obligation so Melissa and Adrian all my listeners thank you so much for tuning in and until next week uh, oh I want to remind everybody we have uh, our weekly group chat call if either of you can make it it's at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern and 6 p.m. Pacific time and the details are on my uh, Facebook page. As to you can either connect with a telephone or connect through the internet on Zoom. All right. Well, we had like four callers last week. That was only our wow. second, our second oh, okay. one. Great. And uh, one just happened to be uh, calling me. He didn't realize uh, he was on the air, <laughs> and I, it was my cousin. And so he had a caregiver story himself. uh, His wife was a cancer survivor, so I got him to talk. Mm. So There are no accidents. Everything Mm -hmm. happens for a reason. So until next time, we'll see you again. Thank you so much, you guys. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Caregiver's Caregiver Radio
2: Program with Dave Nassani.